Welcome back to another exciting episode of Mr. Cornwell's Corner. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Mr. Cornwell's Corner. Today is all about the Korean War, which was fought from June 25th, 1950 to July 27th, 1953. So it's a three-year conflict that was fought in Asia. Primary reason for U.S. involvement was the policy of containment or stopping the spread of communism throughout the world, in this case, Asia. Just to give you some brief facts on the Korean War, there was over 2.5 million deaths during this conflict. Out of that, about 36,000 of those deaths was American soldiers. South Korea lost well over 100,000 soldiers. North Korea lost well over 500,000 soldiers. And China lost over 100,000 soldiers as well. The rest were civilian deaths on both sides, North and South Korea. So North Korea is actually the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. But from here forward, I will refer to them as North Korea. And South Korea is the Republic of Korea. From here forward, I refer to them as South Korea. To really understand the Korean War, you have to back up just a bit in history and get a snapshot of what led up to the events that led to war in Korea. So if you go back to World War II, communism was alive and well in the Soviet Union at the end of World War II. And if you remember, China had failed to protect its citizens against the invasion of Japan. So therefore, following World War II, there was a revolution in China. The Soviets backed Mao Zedong, a communist leader, and the United States backed the Nationalist Party, led by Chiang Kai-shek. Well, that revolution comes to a head in 1949, and the communists win. Chiang Kai-shek and the nationalists flee China and go to the island of Formosa, which is off the coast of China. That is when that island becomes known as Taiwan to this day. So the communists win the revolution in China following World War II. Now, Harry Truman is president at this point, and under Truman's watch, the Soviet bloc has increased significantly in the east part of Europe. And now communism has spread from the largest country in Europe, Russia, to the largest country in Asia, China. So as you can suspect, Truman is getting tagged as soft on communism by his political enemies. Now Truman did support the nationalists with weapons and money, but one thing Harry Truman did not do was commit U.S. military to the Chinese Revolution. That brings us up to date to 1950. Because those events took place in 1949. Communism is on the move again from China to the Korean Peninsula. The United Nations steps in and divides Korea into two parts along the 38th parallel. The 38th parallel becomes the boundary between North and South Korea. The North Koreans embrace communism and are backed by China and the Soviet Union. And the South Koreans, I wouldn't say are democratic at this point, but they're not communists and are backed by the Western allies, including the United States. So what takes place on June 25th, 1950, is the North Koreans invade South Korea in the hope to unify the Korean Peninsula under one flag, a communist flag. So if you're Harry Truman, communism has already spread throughout Eastern Europe, and communism has spread from Europe to Asia, and now it's on the move again from China to Korea. This is where Truman decides to draw a line in the sand, and commit U.S. military for the first time. So Truman sends U.S. troops within days of the North Koreans' advance 
into South Korea. By the time the Americans show up in numbers, South Korea is hanging on by a thread. It's known as the Pusan perimeter. North Korea has invaded, pushed well beyond the 38th parallel, well beyond Seoul, the capital, and has basically shoved the South Koreans off the Korean peninsula, and there's barely hanging on around Pusan, which is on the southernmost tip of Korea. All right, let's go ahead and take a short commercial break and enjoy this music from the hit TV show, MASH. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that theme song from the TV show MASH. MASH was a very popular TV show that aired from 1972 to 83, and to this day is the highest-watched final episode in television history. Now, most Americans believe it was set in Vietnam because it came out in 72 and aired till 83, and the Vietnam conflict comes to an end in the 70s, but it was actually set in Korea, which was 1950 to 53. So when the U.S. military shows up, they are under the leadership of Douglas MacCarthy. Douglas MacCarthy, as some of you may realize, was a World War II hero. He had led the Allied powers in the Pacific, and he actually accepted Japan's surrender, which officially ended all engagements in World War II. So MacArthur was a very popular World War II hero, and he's in charge of U.S. military when the Korean War begins. MacArthur's idea is to establish a perimeter around Pusan. And then, instead of just pushing back the North Koreans, his idea is to flip around to Incheon, which is on the west coast and further north, and kind of entrap the North Korean soldiers that have pushed down. So at this point, the North Koreans control almost all of the the Korean peninsula. MacArthur establishes a defensive perimeter around Pusan. And then on September 15th, 1950, He surprises the North Koreans with a landing at Incheon, which basically traps hundreds of thousands of North Korean soldiers. They fight their way back, 
and they willingly withdraw instead of be trapped. So the Americans are able to push the North Koreans out of South Korea, but instead of stopping at the 38th parallel, at this point, Truman authorizes MacArthur to continue pushing further north into North Korea. Truman, who's been tagged as soft on communism, could really use the good news of uniting all of Korea under one flag, but instead of a communist flag, a democratic flag. Truman is trying to stand up to the spread of communism or containment. MacArthur uses the U.S. military to push the North Koreans almost up to the Yalu River. Now, the Yalu River is the natural boundary between North Korea and China. And as you could probably guess, China had a major problem with this. So if the Americans and South Koreans didn't stop at the 38th parallel, there's no guarantee that they're going to stop at the Yalu River. So China becomes highly concerned about the American aggression. MacArthur had promised Truman that if the Americans pushed into North Korea up to the Yalu River, the Chinese would not respond. And if they did, he would take care of them. MacArthur was in favor of using all weapons available, including nuclear weapons. Problem here for Truman, this is where Truman and MacArthur greatly disagree, is by 1949, not only has communism spread to China, but the Soviet Union had developed the atomic bomb as well. If the United States, under MacArthur, used atomic weapons in Korea, there is a chance that the Chinese and the Soviets could respond And this time, that response would include nuclear weapons. So Truman is not so quick to engage the Chinese and the Soviets, especially with nuclear weapons. He does not want to be the president responsible for starting World War III with nuclear weapons on both sides instead of one side. So MacArthur gets kind of frustrated with Truman. As you remember, the president is the commander-in-chief of the U.S. military, which means he's in charge. So MacArthur is subordinate. Truman is MacArthur's boss. MacArthur decides to take his case to the American people. And with that, Truman has had enough. Truman decides to fire MacArthur, who was a very popular World War II hero. So Truman recalls MacArthur out of Korea and replaces him with General Matthew Ridgway. When MacArthur comes back to the United States, he is giving a ticker tape parade in New York City and also addresses Congress. So this is a very high-profile conflict between the commander-in-chief and a military hero, and while the commander-in-chief wins the conflict, American public sides with MacArthur. This, coupled with other factors, leads to Truman deciding, even though he's eligible to run again in 52, not to seek re-election because he doesn't believe he can win. So with that, the Chinese show up in great numbers, almost half a million, and they push the Americans and South Koreans back down to the 38th parallel. By the time we get to November of 52, an election year, World War II hero Dwight Eisenhower is the Republican nominee and the favorite to win, and the war in Korea has become a stalemate along the 38th parallel, which was the boundary set up by the United Nations in the first place. So when Eisenhower does win the presidency, he takes office on January 20th, 1953, and he immediately starts negotiations to get the Americans out of Korea. Eisenhower believes that the Korean War is unwinnable from an American perspective, and he does not want to get bogged down into an Asian affair that the United States does not really understand and cannot win just to stop the spread of communism. Eisenhower gets a bit of fortune. Once he's elected president, Stalin passes away, who is the Soviet premier, unexpectedly, and this turns out to be good fortune for Eisenhower. Nikita Khrushchev comes to power, 
and Nikita Khrushchev and the Soviet Republic has no interest in, in postponing or prolonging a war in Asia that may or may not be winnable from their perspective as well. So Eisenhower inherits a situation where there is an able party willing to negotiate on the other side, and he takes advantage of that. So by the time we get to the summer of 1953, about six months into Eisenhower's presidency, he successfully negotiates through the United Nations and into the Korean War. America begins to withdraw from South Korea. On July 27th, 1953, there's a truce or a ceasefire, so they negotiate peace, and that ceasefire remains in effect to this day. There has never been a treaty ending the Korean War. There are still active hostilities in North and South Korea to this day. So to recap, the United States gets involved in the Korean conflict from June 25th, 1950 to July 27th, 1953. And over 36,000 Americans are killed during those three years of active combat. The Korean War itself is responsible for over 2.5 million deaths, mostly Korean, North and South. I hope you enjoyed this Quick recap of the Korean conflict, and be sure to tune in next time to Mr. Cornwell's Corner. Thank you for listening to another exciting episode of Mr. Cornwell's Corner. Be sure to hit that like button, subscribe, and ring that bell so you never miss another episode. See you next time. I am Blaine Jaffe, the voice of the intro and exit for Mr. Cornwell's Corner. Thank you for listening.